Take your Bible, and we're going to go to the book of Mark. <clears throat> Bean, did you turn me on, or? All right. How's that? All right. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. It's Wednesday night. You've had a long week already, so we'll, we'll keep it short, you know, by what, quarter after 8? Have it wrapped up. Boy, oh boy. It's a somber bunch tonight, Joanna. I guess you might be here till quarter after 8. <laughs> Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Mark chapter 8 and uh, verse 22. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. Let's pray. Now, Father, as we come before you tonight, we're thankful that you give us all safety as we traveled out here in the dark, and uh, Lord, it's been a blessing seeing these days uh, get a little bit longer every day and be able to see the sun a little bit more. Uh, so we just pray, Lord, that you help us to just uh, stay the course, Lord, till the weather gets better and keep our minds focused on what's at hand, knowing that... Uh, uh, spring is around the corner, but we pray tonight that you might speak to our hearts, you might encourage us, uh, Lord, from your word, give us some understanding from the text, uh, that we might see some things as you see them, Lord, that we would quit uh, looking at things as our eyes see it, but Lord, give us some understanding to the scripture. Again, Lord, just take me and set me aside, wash me in the blood, I pray that nothing that comes out of my mouth tonight would be a hindrance to this ministry and this preacher. Uh, pray for Pastor Evans, Miss Curran while they're gone. Keep them safe, Lord. Bring them back safely this week. Take care of the church in their absence. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, Mark chapter 8 is an interesting passage. Again, it's one of the many miracles that Jesus does. And you could find a lot of things interesting in the passage. First of all, the most interesting thing is, is Jesus heals the blind man. And uh, in a way different than he has, and he does it a few different ways, but in this case, the Bible says that he spits and uh, uh, puts his hands upon him and he heals him. And if that doesn't seem odd to you, it seems odd to me. Uh, the fact is, is here's the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's God manifest in the flesh, and yet uh, when it comes to healing him, he chooses to spit. Now, you know, to you and I, that seems awkward and odd. Again, uh, it's holy spit, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but it's just an amazing thing when you consider what the Lord is doing. And uh, there's many times the Lord heals the blind. He does it different ways every time, and that's not even the message tonight. But it just reminds us the power of the Godhead and what Jesus Christ was able to do. But what we want to focus on is verse 24. Uh, the man, the Bible says, he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. Now, what he saw and what, uh, what took place there was not really as much for the man's benefit, probably as much as it is for ours. Uh, you know if you study Scripture that God uses many different similitudes in the Bible to teach man things. And one of the things that God has done throughout Scripture is He's used illustrations of practical things so that we could understand things on a spiritual level. Uh, yes, it's an odd thing that He sees men walking as trees. And again, it's, it seems interesting in the context. You'd think that there must be uh, something wrong. Uh, but what the Lord's doing is He's showing us something in this modern day. Now, if you study the scripture, you know that many a times in the Bible, God compares men to trees. And trees are interesting. I like trees. Uh, there's all kinds of trees. Some trees are better than others. Obviously, you're going to have uh, popple trees that are junk trees. I don't know of any good purpose of a popple tree. Cut them all down, get rid of them. I don't see any good purpose. They're just, they're brittle. They have diseases. They're rotten trees. But you got apple trees. You got plum trees. Uh, I planted some peach trees this year and cherry trees. You know, there's so many different things about trees. Uh, in the scripture, the Bible talks about men being like palm trees. If you want a good study, just study palm trees. You'll learn a lot about men just by studying a palm tree and how they respond. Uh, he talks about men being, or wicked men being as a, a bay tree. So there's different things when you get the comparison. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. But specifically, look at Psalm 92. Psalm 92, I want to show you uh, men as trees, but specifically as the cedar of Lebanon. And we're going to look at that tree a little bit and just give you some things and just some practical stuff. 
Because if the Lord says something, you have to take His word seriously. Uh, every word of God is pure. And if God is going to give you a comparison of something, so if He says, I see men as trees walking, then it would be important for you to get in the word of God, just do a little bit of studying and try to understand certain things about trees. Uh, you don't want to be like all kinds of trees. Not all trees are good trees. You understand that. Uh, even when you consider the Garden of Eden and the trees that are mentioned there in the text, we know that there's one bad tree in the whole mix. So just like anything, you just need to get in the book, do some studying. And it just, if anything, if you get anything out of this, it reminds you of how good God is in regard to his creation and how when man tries to invent these ideals that, uh, you know, we all came as a result of evolution, it just doesn't pan out. Because God uses in his own book illustrations of his creation for mankind. So look at Psalm chapter 92. This is where we want to grab most of our text from today. Psalm 92, he says, The righteous, verse 12, the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Notice what he says. He says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree, but we want to focus on this. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, that cedar, that cedar tree there is an interesting tree. Uh, it's not anything like our cedars here. Uh, there, there are some, I think I, when I was studying it out, I think there are some places in America where they have planted these trees. But again, it's a cedar of Lebanon. It's something that is uh, familiar to the Middle East. You know that when uh, Solomon was building the temple, where did he get the cedars from? Well, they came from Lebanon. That's what he built the temple of. So there's some, uh, some context there that we need to understand. But he says that they're like, he says, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. So he says a righteous man is going to grow. If he's going to grow, he's going to grow like this tree, and there's some things specific about that tree. Now, there's some, some practical things about the cedar of Lebanon. First of all, is it's, a tr it's a tree that's green all year round. We would call it an evergreen tree, just like we have here. Uh, we have cedars. We have red cedar. We have white cedar here in Michigan. But it's one of those trees that are always green. Now, I like cedars. I think cedars are an interesting tree. I think they're a beautiful tree. Uh, unfortunately, there's some diseases, just like anything, that are striking all the trees and, and killing them down, but they're a beautiful tree. And I think I like them because they're green all the time. You go out in the wintertime, and you can see those green uh, boughs that are there, no different than you would a pine tree or anything like that, but it just reminds you of life. There's nothing sadder this time of year than just looking out in the yard and just seeing all these trees with no life on them. Now, we know in just about a month and a half that, you know, things are going to start changing and they'll start budding out, and by May we're going to have leaves. We know those trees aren't dead, but it's depressing. It's just glum. We know they're alive, but there's nothing there to make evidence of it. Well, spiritually speaking, when you think about that cedar of Lebanon, you see that tree, it's green all the time. What does that signify? It signifies that it's alive. It signifies that there's life in that tree. There's one thing that Christians need to remember is that we need to be like a cedar of Lebanon. We need to be green all the time. Uh, you shouldn't have, now again, I understand that some trees aren't always going to have the leaves on them, and I understand that they're going to change in the fall, and all those things happen. But the fact that this tree is green all the time means it has a testimony. And one of the things that lacks a lot in Christianity is just a testimony. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Having a testimony doesn't mean you're perfect. That just means that you have a testimony for Jesus Christ, a testimony that you're alive in Christ, that you're not dead. Some things that look dead aren't necessarily dead, and some things that are dead are dead. <laughs> Sometimes you can't tell if a tree's dead until the, leaf, the spring comes and all the leaves come out, and then you have the evidence. But to look at it right now, you couldn't tell if those trees were alive or dead. If you went out there and you didn't know anything about trees, you could start cutting down perfectly good trees because they look dead. Now, I, you know, you think about that spiritually. Uh, you know, there's a lot of Christians to look at them. You think, well, they, how could they be saved? I don't see any life in them. And yet the fact is they're just as alive as you are. It's just not the season. And, and I believe with any saved person, there's always a season where they're going to show some green and some 
people go a little longer than others, but the fact is, he says, the righteous. Now, we know our righteousness is in Jesus Christ. We know in ourselves there is no righteousness, but yet, according to Ephesians, we're to have our own personal righteousness. The fact is, is that if you're producing some, some greenery, if you have a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ, then what's going to happen is people are going to identify you as being a Christian. Not by the talk, but by the actions that a person has. Now, again, we, you always have to preface it with lost folks. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're perfect. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't sin. It just means that I'm saved and I'm bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm just trying to do right. And some days, just like anybody, some days you do better, some days you do worse. But the fact is, is we need to have a testimony. Uh, I'd rather have a testimony of being a Christian than have no, I'd rather have even a bad testimony of being a Christian than, you know, no testimony. Uh, you may say, you know, because there's a lot of people that are saved that don't have necessarily the best testimony, but they aren't afraid to let people know they're saved. Well, I guess at the end of the day, that's probably better than not saying anything at all. You're at least identified. Look over to Jeremiah chapter 17. With this tree, this cedar of Lebanon's green all the time. Now, there's something about this tree that's different than other trees. That cedar of Lebanon is not like any, any ordinary tree. It's a tree that can withstand different kinds of weather. It's a tree that can withstand different kinds of pests and a tree that can withstand diseases, Jeremiah chapter 17. Now, when you plant trees, not, it's amazing. I've been helping uh, Brother Chad DeShano with some uh, properties he has down in Lapeer, and they went and planted some different trees that were there. And, you know, I think sometimes people plant trees just because they look pretty. But it's not the tree that should be planted where it's at. In other words, not all trees should go everywhere. Uh, you take a willow tree. Uh, my grandfather had some wet spots on his property, and he had this bright idea he's going to plant willow trees so it could suck up all the water. Well, if you know anything about willow trees, they're, like, they're, like a, they're just a, a nasty tree. All they do is drop branches, and they just grow, and you can't get rid of them. They're just a horrible tree. They're pretty, but they're just a rotten tree. We had a willow tree at the church for years. I wanted to cut that thing down and you know, fought everybody to cut the tree down. I think we, we cut that tree down, didn't we? Finally. <laughs> You either outlive them or you fight them, and I just outlive them. But the point is, those trees were great for wetlands. But you know what you get with those? You get all these branches all over. I mean, a willow switch is good if you're going to whoop your kid, maybe, you know. But, oh, you've never been whipped with a willow switch, have you? But the point is, is that you get a good wind, and then branches are breaking. They split in half. I mean, they're just not a, a durable tree, uh, not like an oak tree. You think about an oak tree, boy, you see some of these oak trees, they get some deep roots, and boy, they can withstand storms, but a popple tree can't. Boy, you wouldn't, I remember years ago, we, uh, uh, my grandfather bought some property up here where we live now, and, and, um, or where he used to live, um, and he was going through these magazines, and they had these, you know, these fast-growing poplar trees. You know, they're supposed to grow so many feet a year, and he thought that was just the greatest thing, so he could plant them and get some cover so people wouldn't see his property. They were the biggest hindrance he ever had because they grew quick, and yeah, they gave some cover, but all they did was the wind would blow, they broke, they, they just weren't good for anything. Every time there was a storm, that's all we're doing is cleaning up after that stuff. Well, here's the thing about that uh, uh, cedar of Lebanon. It's not a tree like that. Uh, the cedar of Lebanon is a tree that can, ex it can endure extreme weather. Now, in Michigan, now right now, I know this winter hasn't been too extreme, but you got to think about the weather that we get here. Now, we get some extreme weather. We get some strong winds. We get some cold weather. We get a lot of rain sometimes. And the trees that we have, you know, praise God for them, that they can, they can withstand what we got. Uh, but, you know, with all the blights and all the things, look at all that. You guys cut trees. I mean, look at all the, the problems that you see with the, the, the blights that are going on. You know what that's from? That's from bringing stuff over from China and all this other stuff. And they bring all these bugs over to fight other bugs. And then those bugs eat up. Man, so stupid. You know, God puts bugs in certain places for certain reasons, and then man decides to move them, think it's going to be good, and next thing you know, you got all these problems. You say, why? Because God did, that's not how God designed it. Now, here's the thing about this tree. Look at Jeremiah chapter 17, and it gives you an understanding about this blessed man and how this tree works. He says, he shall be, verse 8, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, 
for her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Here's the thing about that, uh, that cedar of Lebanon. It's a tree that can withstand things. See, it's a tree that when you plant it by the water, its roots are going to go deep. It's a tree that because it's in the right spot planted, when the heat comes, and it always does come, it's not going to burn out. And you understand that that's one of the problems that people have. Do you ever know some people start out real good, but they burn out quick? Well, you say, why? Well, a lot of times it's just not planted properly, not put in the right place. Uh, again, you can have the best seed to grow something, but if you don't put it in the right soil or in the right location, the best seed will have problems. You understand that you are the seed. You got saved, you're born again. You're not of corruptible seed, the Bible says. But even though you're not of corruptible seed, if you're not planted in the right place, you can't expect to have the right results. That's why every Christian is different. If it's in good soil, that Christian is going to produce good fruit. But if that Christian is not in good soil, he's not going to produce as much. It doesn't mean he's not saved. He's just as saved as the next guy. Some folks just need to be transplanted. You just need a good transplant. My point is, is that this tree here can withstand things. It can withstand disease. It's not susceptible to disease as much. What does that even tell you about Christians? A Christian that is grounded in the Word of God and in the things of Scripture, they can withstand more than someone that can't. That means that you can go through some things. That means sometimes the Lord will let you go through some stuff. Uh, there's a, there, I preached on Sunday. There's trials and troubles you go through, and the Lord allows that to happen. And if you're planted in the right soil and, you're, and you've got the foundation that you need, you'll do much better. The problem is Christians are bullheaded. They think they know more than God. They think they, they've, we've got it figured out. You know, in our short 70, 80 years of life, we get it figured out quicker than God can. And we think that we can make it better. And the fact is, is the truth is the truth. Here's, here's all the truth you need on how to live. If you follow the direction the Lord gives you, then you'll be better. And that's why it's so important to be in the Word of God, to be reading your Bible, praying. The fact is, is that God's intent is for you to be able to endure hard weather. And I don't mean the winds, I mean the winds of life. Because no matter where you're at in life, you're going to have some hardship sooner or later. Sooner or later, you're going to have hardship. Notice that this tree, its roots are growing deep. That's important. You need deep roots. Your, your root is Jesus Christ. You need to be wrapped around the root. You need to be, have a good foundation. But you know, if you're not fighting the weather, you're going to fight pests, bugs. You can't get away from it. You know what? Being saved, you're always going to deal with some sort of pest. Don't matter what it is, whether it's a, some little worm or whether it's an ant or a whatever kind of... I mean, you all the different bugs there. I'm not, a, I'm not a, a bug guy. I'm not into... I don't like bugs. I don't like spiders. I don't like ants. I don't like any of them. You kill them all, but they all have a necessary... I like honeybees. You know, I, it's about all I like. I don't like yellow jackets. But, I mean, bugs have an effect on a tree. It's the ecosystem. We understand that. Well, you know what? Sometimes those bugs can kill the tree. Um, I've got fruit trees, and this year I, I had to fight the Japanese beetles. Two years in a row I've had to fight these, and you know who won? The Japanese beetles. I get the pesticide things to hang up, and they're supposed to lure them in. It's got a scent. It's supposed to lure them into this thing, and then they fall down the bag and they die. Well, they won the battle. I mean, they ate everything, man. Stripped them leaves right down nothing. By the time I got to them, it's too late, man. They're just multiplying like, like rabbits. They're all over the place. The trees didn't make it. <laughs> It's just, again, it's a Japanese beetle. What's a Japanese beetle doing in Michigan? Well, you figure it out yourself. They were brought here to probably take care of something else, and, you know, that's where all the problems come. But that's how sin is. That's how the Christian life is. The things that are just out there, there are all kinds of things in the world that attack a Christian. And you've got to be strong, and you've got to have the proper things to be able to fight it. But the fact is, is you're going to have to deal with pests. Uh, you start noticing the bugs getting into the leaves, you got to deal with it. You can't just let it go. You let it go, it just gets worse and worse. And by the, time, by the time you get to it, sometimes it's already wreaked its havoc, and now the tree's in rough shape. Tree's not dead, but it's ugly. Boy, that tree's looked horrible, just ugly. Leaves all messed up, falling off. You know, Lord willing, they'll be okay this spring, but, you know, it takes a toll on it. How much can those trees handle of those pests? Well, some trees can handle it a little bit more than others, but these are young trees. 
oh, this big. They're not going to handle it like a big old 30-foot tree, right? Well, that tells you the longer you've been saved and the stronger you are, you can probably, you know, handle a little bit more of those pesky critters getting at you. But when you're a young Christian, that's why the devil comes so hard after somebody when they first get saved or when they're young, because they're, they're, uh, they're weak in that sense. They've not matured. They've not grown. And this tree here, this cedar of Lebanon, is a tree that can fight those things because of how it's planted, how it's taken care of. And that's the thing about a Christian and a lost man is that the only difference between you and a lost man is you're saved. you got Jesus Christ in you. So you've got, you've got what you need to overcome things, but you have to let it do what it needs to do. You need to yield it to the Lord and let the Lord do what he needs to do. But the fact is, is that you're going to deal with diseases and pests, and you're going to deal with weather. And uh, you can overcome it, but a lot of times it'll take a toll on you. Uh, listen, you might be able to survive the disease, but sometimes the disease will take a piece of you. I mean, I've seen people that fight skin cancer, and they live through skin cancer, but half their nose is gone, part of their nose is gone, or their ears gone, uh, big gouges out of their arms. And Well, you can survive that stuff, but sometimes it leaves you maimed. I mean, it's just part of life. Uh, it's, not, it's not catastrophic, but it's still something you got to deal with. Now, you get saved and you try to do right, you're going to have to go through some things, but you have a better chance of sustaining if you're doing what you ought to do then if you don't, that's where it comes in to, to just serve the Lord. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 real quickly. And this tree here, it can, it can sustain the weather and it can sustain the, the pests and it can sustain the disease. And uh, for us, the, the same context is, is that when you're saved, you can, you can fight the sin and you can get victory over the devil and you can do all that. But it takes work. It don't happen naturally. Uh, matter of fact, to live for Christ, it's an it's a unnatural thing to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a natural thing just to do what you want to do. It's an unnatural thing to try to do the right things. They don't come easy. But notice what he says there in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Watch what it says. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. You don't resist of your own merit. You don't resist of your own church. You don't resist of your own strength. You resist steadfast in the faith. You stay strong. And then he says, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So victory comes, but again, you have to resist. You have to stand fast. And just like that tree, that's how it works. It's green all the time. It's able to fight off these things, but it's because it's in the right place. It's, it's being nurtured the right way. And the more you're in the right place and the more you're nurtured the right way scripturally, you know what happens? You start growing. Now, there's something about that tree. That tree can get real big and that tree can get real tall. I mean, that tree can, I mean, grow quite well uh, and grow well over 80 feet tall. But you know what? It'll, it'll grow 10, 15 inches a year steadily. Well, that takes a long time. You think about that. How long is that tree going to grow to get to be 80 feet? It's going to take a long time. Here's the thing about a Christian. Christians need to grow. And what, what the Lord wants is slow, consistent growth, not big, rapid growth. Big, what I've noticed in the 30-some years of being in the ministry, big, rapid, quick, rapid growth ends up being fizzled out. It's the ones that are steady, that just keep growing, slow but sure. And matter of fact, sometimes you look at them, you don't even think they're growing. It's like, it's like visiting people. And you, when you see somebody all the time, you don't notice anything different about them. But if you haven't seen them in a year, and you see kids, you see how quickly those kids can grow. If you see them all the time, you don't see all the changes. Well, that's how it is with Christians. Sometimes we don't see all the changes because we're around people all the time, but if they're doing the right thing, they're living for the Lord, they're growing steady. And then someone else that hasn't seen them in a while comes around and they notice there's a difference, something's changed. They've gotten more spiritual, they've gotten more settled. They're not moved by the things of the world. Everybody gets moved by the things of the world today. They watch the news, and they're just in awe. You know, everybody's all in, in a panic because, you know, Trump says to NATO, you know what, Russia should bomb you because you're not paying your... And people get all in a rip, all upset. Who cares? Who cares what Trump says? Anybody that gets bothered by that stuff needs to really reevaluate their life because it doesn't matter what anybody says. Why are you going to lose sleep over it? So everybody worried about the, the whole COVID thing. Everybody's so wrapped up, still worried about COVID. What are you going to do to stop it? There's not a thing you can stop. There's not a thing you can do to change it. I'm not saying be reckless, but people get so worried. And it, financially, 
You know, people say, oh, I just, you know, I can't afford to have kids now because we can't afford it. When will you ever be able to have children? If it was about what you could afford, I mean, you, you get to sit there and worry about it? I mean, there's things that, but people get in a rant about that stuff. All those things, you know what that is? It's just worry. My grandmother, we have storms, and she'd just sit there and just be just all paranoid during a storm. Just, I mean, just a nervous wreck. What are you going to do about it? There's nothing you can do. I've never seen anybody worry a, a tornado away, <laughs> right? I mean, the storms come and they do, the wind comes. What can you do? Now, I'm not saying go out there with a, with a metal rod and run out in the middle of the yard, but the fact is, is people get worried about things they don't need to worry about. One of the signs of growing in Christ is that you don't worry. Notice even that verse 7 there, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Part of growth is not worrying about things that you have no control over. There's a lot. Of, I've had to learn some things this last year that there are things I cannot control, so I can't worry about it. I'm not going to get anywhere with it, so why worry? You just give it to the Lord and be done. That's that tree. That tree grows, and it's a steady growth, and you don't always notice it, but over a course of time, you're going to get a better idea to it. Uh, next thing I want to show you about that tree is not just that it is uh, a tree that grows and it's green all the time, but there's something about that tree that's interesting. That cedar of Lebanon is an interesting tree because it will adapt the shape to the environment it's in. Now, this is kind of interesting. So if that tree is in a forest it will grow straight up with all the trees. Matter of fact, not only will it grow up with straight up with all the trees, but it will often grow into the other trees and it will, its branches will intermingle. And you say, well, what's the purpose of that? Well, that's how a Christian ought to be. If a Christian is planted in a place where other Christians are and they're flourishing and they're living for the Lord, you know what? You should all be growing straight up and you should all be growing into each other. Why? Because that's where the support's at. You need support. Now, in some cases, you've got some Christians that can't be in groups like this. You go around the world, there's places in China and places in Indonesia and places in Africa where you can't have groups like this. It doesn't matter how small the group is. The fact is, is that when, when you have trees that grow together, then they have some reinforcement. There's some protection there. And the Lord says that that man is to be like that tree. He's to grow with other believers. You know what? It's better to grow with other believers than to be all by yourself. Now, I realize people are difficult. There are times I just don't like people just not be away. I just soon be some guy away from everybody. But the fact is, you know that when you get to be around other Christians, it helps if those other Christians are growing the straight right way. See, if everybody's got their eyes on the Lord and everybody's doing what they ought to do, then growth comes a lot easier because everybody's not comparing each other with each other. See, uh, Hebrews 10, you know this verse, but I'll show it to you anyhow. Hebrews 10. So if that tree's in a forest, it's going to go straight up. And uh, it's better for Christians to be with other Christians. It's just better. Uh, I know, I, listen, Christians are imperfect and they've got problems, but it's better that other Christians be with other Christians. That's just the best thing for you. It's best for fellowship. It's best for staying right. It's just, it's just, a, better, it's just a better thing to do. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Notice the time to come to church is to exhort one another. It doesn't say criticize one another. It doesn't mean berate one another. It says encourage. Uh, the fact of the matter is everybody has struggles. Everybody has problems. Everybody is fighting sin in this room. And some sins are seen and some sins are not. The fact is everybody's fighting sin, and it's better to try to encourage each other than to be beaten down on each other. Uh, we need to quit this nonsense of always just beating down on Christians and finding fault with everybody and just as a church just try to grow and do right for the Lord and try to encourage each other to grow up. And if you grow up, you'll do much better. Look at Psalms 133. And you grow up with other believers, you'll grow straight up, and then you'll start intertwining. And uh, that just shows you the commonality that you'll have as a Christian. That's why he says that tree's, a, that tree's an important tree, because it shows you how it, it grows into the other trees, and when they grow into each other, you know what it does? It gives them stability, and it reinforces them. Imagine as it grows, those trees grow together in a forest. When the winds come, now that whole group is together not just by itself. How many times have you seen just a tree out in the middle of somebody's yard all by itself, big, beautiful tree? 
and the wind comes and blows that thing over. And the root system isn't as big as it should be. But if it had been, you look at a forest, how, many, how often do you see a tree blown over in the forest? You don't see it as often. Why? In, the, in, a, in your front yard, yeah. Because those trees will grow together. And even though this tree is a little bit different because it literally will intertwine, the idea is, is that when they're together, they get, uh, get stronger. Psalm 133, verse 1. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. <laughs> it's always better to dwell together in unity. I mean, uh, I, listen, how many Baptist churches are unified? You know how many churches, I, that old church I was at for years, before I got there, they must have split six, seven times. You know what that tells me? They were never unified. Now, praise God, while I was there, we never had a split, never had a problem. Everything went well, everything grew, everything went the way it was. Praise God. That's only because of the Word of God, and nothing I did. But the fact is, is that when people are unified, and they believe the same thing, and they agree the same way, and they want to see the same thing, then things go better. You know what happens? You grow as one. And that's really how a church should be. A church should be growing together as one, everybody growing together, see, now, you'll have some that come in and some that come, you know, you have all the changes, but everybody should be growing and intertwining themselves. And it's not so that we can have a big church. It's so we can have a healthy church. We're not looking for big churches. We're looking for healthy churches. Healthy churches produce a lot of good things, and that's what we want. This is a healthy tree, so it does some things. Now, if this tree is in an open environment, here's the thing about this tree that's a little different. If it's in an open environment, this tree won't grow as much up as it will, as it will grow out. It gets wider. It gets more directions. It gets really broad. And that tells you something about Christians. Some Christians need to be around other Christians for them to succeed. But believe it or not, there are some Christians that can do okay on their own. Uh, I've had missionaries over the years. We have guys come in that are, you know, in Japan. Uh, Brother, Brother Brigham that we support, been Japan now for probably 25-plus years, and for a while, it was just him and his wife. So does that mean because you're by yourself, you fizzle out? No. Well, you better start getting grounded, and you got to start spreading out. you got to start getting a little bit stronger, and a Christian that is like that tree, what they're going to do is they're going to be able to take a stand, and you take a stand by getting a wider stance. See, that's the key. Look at uh, Acts chapter 4. And if you are, if you're gonna, if you're gonna live for Christ, here's the thing. Especially if you're just kind of all by yourself, you're gonna stand out. You, you're gonna be visible. It's always a blessing to live for the Lord, just in the mix of a whole bunch of other people living for the Lord. Some that's why a lot of people like big churches, because you get lost in the big church. And you know, at this point in game, you know, I look at that and say that might not be such a bad idea. Kind of getting lost in a mix. I don't see a problem with that. But some folks just can't do that. Some folks, they just, they're just, some folks are just more vocal, and some people are just more outgoing. And uh, the more you do that stuff and you're by yourself, you better be grounded so you don't get uh, uh, you know, swayed. But the fact is, is you're going to have to take a stand. You're going to have to take a stand. And that tree, sometimes, just like that tree, is in it's all by itself. There's going to be times in your life when you're all by yourself. And whether that's in the workplace or whether that's in school, uh, sometimes it's in families where you're the, you are it. You're the only Christian. There's nobody else there, and you just got to take a stand. Uh, Acts chapter four, verse thirty-six. Acts four thirty-six. Notice this about Barnabas here. And uh, Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it to the apostles' feet. Now the thing about that about Barnabas was he was he was the encourager. He was the edifier. If you look through Scripture and look in the book of Acts, there was something about Barnabas that stood out amongst everybody else. He was the guy that's edifying everybody by himself. Uh, when John Mark quit and, uh, and left him behind, it was Barnabas that said, hey, to Paul, we need to take John Mark with us. He took a stand for some things. Look at chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, verse 27. Let's look at a couple of these here. I don't want to get too caught up. Acts chapter 9. My point is, just like that tree, that tree's got to, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow when it's by itself. It needs to spread out, it needs to be visible, and it needs to get some good deep roots, and that's good because that's a good testimony. Because like I said, you can't always be in the local church. Matter of fact, if you're being practical about it, you're only in the local church how many hours out of the week? 
The rest of the week, you're out there. And a lot of times, you're alone. So you need to make sure you're grounded. You've got to have a testimony. Acts chapter 9, uh, look at verse, uh, verse 27. Acts chapter 9, verse 20. Here's Barnabas again. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Well, who did he take? Well, it was Paul. You realize that it was Barnabas that got hold of Paul and brought him to the disciples and said, hey, look at this guy. He got saved and look what's going on. See, sometimes it's just, it just takes one person. I know a lot of times we think it takes a bunch of us to do some things, but you might just be that one person that can take a stand and make things be what it ought to be. You know, we're always complaining because of our situations, but sometimes the Lord has to use the situation you're in. And like that cedar of Lebanon, if you're all by yourself, that's okay. If you're all by yourself, just grow and spread yourself out and make yourself known for, for the Lord and just do right. But you just need to be able to grow, and the more you grow, you're going to be able to do more things for the Lord. Uh, you know, some Christians are going to outgrow other Christians. But the one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to outgrow the Lord. <laughs> you start outgrowing the Lord, then you're going to have problems. Uh, you need to be able to live for the Lord, do right, and just keep trying to grow and take opportunities and just be what you ought to be. Now, here's another thing about that tree, which is interesting. That cedar of Lebanon, uh, the sawdust, and I know it's not really sawdust, but as that tree grows, you know that it you know, loses bark and there's things about that tree that is going into the ground. And uh, that tree, as it grows, there's a substance that comes out of that tree that naturally repels snakes. Now, you think, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, there's a lot of vipers over in the Middle East. You go in the Middle East, those snakes over there aren't these little garter snakes that, you know, you pick up and play with. They're the snakes that bite you and kill you. You read about that in Acts where Paul picks up the sticks and this viper comes out and bites them and, and uh, all that business. I mean, we're talking poisonous snakes. Now, what, now, you think about that. Here's this tree that as it grows, it gives off something that repels snakes. Well, what's a type of snake? What's a the snake? A typo is type of the devil. Well, there's some things about some Christians. If you grow the way the Lord wants you to grow, and if you do right the way the Lord tells you to do right, you know what will happen? Well, we read it in 1 Peter chapter 5. You'll be able to repel the devil. The fact of the matter is the devil, as much as he goes after folks, the more you grow and the more you're settled in the Bible and the more you do right and the more you resist him, the less he can get you. Now, here's the problem. Christians forget that, and they realize that they're growing, and they claim all that, and they do real well, but then they forget they still got to fight the world and the flesh. <laughs> the devil's only part of the battle for the Christian. But he's a big part. He's a big part. And the fact is, is that tree is able to overcome that. So when Christians go around saying, well, the devil made me do it, well, that's the dumbest thing you ever heard. Devil had nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, the devil really has, once you get saved, he can't make you do anything. The, 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 the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What does that mean? If you resist, the devil don't like resisting. The devil, you know what the devil does? He goes after people that just give in. So in other words, he comes in, pre presents temptation. If you just accept it, then he's just going to keep giving you what you want. The moment you resist, that's when he leaves, see? And that's what's uh, good about this tree. Uh, this tree is strong, and this tree is able to resist some things, and that's why this tree can grow to the capacity it can. And that's why Christians need to remember that, is that the stronger you get in the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you'll be able to overcome sin. Now, here's the thing about that tree. If that tree repels snakes, wouldn't it make sense to hang around that tree? Well, as a Christian, isn't it better to hang around people that can repel that stuff, then put yourself in the situation where you can't repel it. I mean, again, we all, you know, make decisions and choices and whatnot, but the more you surround yourself that are in better situations, the better you'll do. And it's just, it's just common sense, common sense, biblical sense. The fact is that tree repels some things. Well, what is a church? If a church is doing right and Christians are growing right together and you're like a forest growing together, what are you going to do? You're going to more than likely repel the things of the devil. But you know what happens? Just like any forest, they go through and they clear-cut it. You know what? You know what? Sometimes people clear-cut churches by, you know, well, we're going to do it this way now or we're going to get rid of this Bible and we're going to do it this way and get rid of all the spiritual things and then they wonder why everything crumbles. 
I mean, the only reason why anybody can succeed in the Christian life is because of this book. And it's hard enough with the book, making the right choices, making the right decisions. It's all hard. But at least you got the right thing in you, and that's what makes this tree different. Now, Christians got to have a testimony. And that testimony they need to have is to let people know that, you know what, that they're not going to hurt nobody. <laughs> that's how a Christian ought to be. A Christian should be a help, not a harm. Too many times we got people that come to church and we don't help them, we harm them. We say things we shouldn't say or we get hypercritical. You understand that the church is a hospital. People come in, they're not always going to be at the same level that you are. So you just need to minister to them. Too, too often we've become so hypercritical that we've run people out of church rather than helping them. And again, nobody sees your sin. You got it hid. Just because someone might have something that's visible or you can smell it on them doesn't make them any more wicked than you. If you want them to get better, then they need to get them in the right place. Uh, I had to go and pay a call into the hospital for someone that had COVID just uh, recently. And you go in, and of course, you got to put on the whole robe and put the gloves on and put the mask. And, you know, I don't, I, do I think that's overkill? Yes. Do I think COVID can be stopped by that little mask? No, I don't think that little mask could do anything. But I suppose if there's a better chance of me not getting sick, I'm going to do it. But the point is, is that, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt somebody by not making the right decisions. And that's the whole thing is you want to make right decisions. You want to make right choices. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're going to be put in situations where you just got to be protected, prayed up, read up. You got to go in the world. You can't get out of being in the world. You're always going to be in the world until you die. If you work, you're always going to be surrounded by the world. I've heard knuckleheaded Christians say, I won't work for somebody that's not saved. Well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. If you're going to work for somebody that's not saved, well, how are you ever going to witness to somebody if you don't work with some lost folks? You mean to tell me you can't say no? You're that weak that if someone says something, you're just going to give in to everything they say. That's pathetic. The fact is, is that you need to be a help, and this tree is a help. And uh, you ought to be, Christians ought to be a safe place to come, and churches need to be a safe place to come. It's a place where, you know what, we're all sinners. You've got to fight sin, but we're not going to accept sin. We're not just going to let it run rampant, but the fact is is that, you know what, we all sin and we're going to deal with it and try to grow and make it a place where Christians can come and try to get some help. Uh, last of all, go over to uh, Romans 11. We'll wrap this up here. I told you quarter after eight, so it's awful close. Romans 11. Last thing I want to show you about this tree is its roots. Its roots. And that's really the key. The root is important. That cedar of Lebanon, for every 10 feet that tree is above the ground, its roots go 30 feet in the ground. Think about that. For every 10 feet above the ground, 30 feet are anchoring that tree in the ground. So what kind of wind is going to blow that thing over? It's not. I mean, it's got a greater chance of getting water. You go down 30 feet for every 10 foot, I'm not good with math, but if it's, if it's 30 feet tall, then what does that mean? Those roots are 90 feet down? Uh, you go get a well, it's a well sometimes, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 feet. That means that tree, when everything else is drying up and dying, it's getting tapped into some water, getting some deep, deep roots. What does that tell you? Well, as a Christian, if you want to grow, you've got to have some deep roots. Christians are too shallow, and they're, they're offended by everything. Uh, you need to get some thick skin. Uh, don't be offended by folks and don't get upset when someone does something that, you know, again, people are going to say things you ought not to say and don't get in a rip about it. It's not going to kill you. Get some thick skin because if you don't get some thick skin, you're going to be battling little things all your life, things that don't really matter about anything, or you'll just quit. If you think you're going to change the world, uh, you're not going to change the world. You try to change one little bit at a time, you know, but the fact is, is you've got to be strong and you're going to, have, you're, going to be, you're going to be insulted, you're going to be humiliated. People in your own church are going to be humiliating you. I remember one time I had a preacher come to the house and him and his wife and the kids were staying at our place and they brought a camper along and um, for some reason, I don't remember why, I shaved my head one summer. It's when I had hair. It was precursor. And uh, the, the husband and wife came to the church, and, and uh, she knocks on the door, and, or came to the house and knocked on the door to come in. And she took one look at me, and she said, you look ugly with no hair. I said, mercy, 
I mean, I just, yeah, you're here, you're going to stay at my house for a week, you know, and, and that's, what, that's the welcome. Well, you know, kind of irritate you a little bit. But, you know, I didn't let that get to me and say, well, I'm not going to invite him back again. <laughs> I let him come back. He probably shouldn't have. Uh, one time where we went to go do something with someone else, and I'm with these other preachers, and, and we're all in a van, and we're together, and I'm sitting here, and the, it's always the preacher's wife. It's always the trouble. Always the trouble. <laughs> And this lady's there, and I won't name names because you would know if I said who they were. And, uh, and uh, she was, we were sitting, in, there were captain's chairs, and, and unfortunately I was facing her. And I guess I'm just so ugly. She says, she looked at, I just can't look at you anymore. And she turns around. Now these are people at my church that I'm going to take up love offerings for and give them money. And I just took it. And then to add icing on the cake, the preacher thought he could call me out in the service with a Bible verse, and he rats out this, points out, this, quotes this Bible verse and doesn't finish the whole thing because generally it's misquoted, and he thought he could catch me and misquote it. And uh, I said it correctly. But the point was he was, trying to trip, he was trying to make me look like a fool in my own church. That's what I'm talking about. Sometimes people are just going to offend you. Some people are just stupid. Something stupid. I mean, I had a lady told me the other day, she said, she told me that I need to get back into the gym so I can get in better shape. She hadn't seen me in a while, but I mean, it's just the level of stupidity is, is deeper than what you think. And if you get easily offended, you'll quit church. Romans 11. I said Romans 11, didn't I? I got, I got to wrap this up. It's already almost 930. Romans 11, <laughs> verse 18. He says, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou boast not, boast, uh, excuse me, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. There's the key. You can't, as a Christian, anything that you produce isn't of you. It's the Lord. Anything that I've ever done has never been me. It's always been the Lord. If you think it's your intelligence or your wit or your, uh, um, you know, your ability to witness and be a good, it's not you. It's the root and the Lord using you. And that cedar of Lebanon has a deep root. And because it has a deep root, it's able to do so. Our strength is in Jesus Christ. So you need to make your root deep. You need to be grounded in Jesus Christ. Look at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. I'm going to wrap it up here. That tree is rooted in Jesus Christ. And if you want to grow and be strong and not be easily offended like Christians are. That's why people leave church, because they get easily offended. But they'll keep going to McDonald's after you've messed up. Brian, how many times they mess up my Diet Coke? I order a Diet Coke light ice every day. And you think I can get a Diet Coke light ice every day, right? No. And you know what? They screw it up, and you know what I do? I go back again, and I, they, and I give them my money. And I'll be mad and upset, and I'll give them my money and go back, and they do not get it right. And yet I keep going back to McDonald's. And boy, the preacher says one little thing that offends you or upsets you. Forgot your birthday. Forgot your anniversary. Forgot your kid's name. Oh my, it's tragic. I'm not going to that church anymore. They're not friendly enough. You know how many times I've heard that? Well, you better have some thick skin. You wouldn't be as offended as much. Colossians chapter 2, you need to be built up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, let's close with this. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as you've been taught, according, uh, abounding therein with thanksgiving. That tree has deep roots. You know what you'll find about Christians that just can hold the line and stay at it for year after year, and they just can just keep growing? Because they got deep roots. It's not because they're great people. It's not because they can empathize with other people. It just means that they've been grounded in the Word of God, and they can get through some stuff. You're going to go through it. And you need to realize the strength that you need is not of your own. You cannot boast of your own strength. You have to boast of the root. And you know what? If you fail, okay, fine. Get up and say, Lord, give me the strength so I don't do it again. The fact of the matter is, is that tree has a deep root system. And you and I have the ability to have the deep root system, but you have to be built up. You've got to be rooted and built up in it. And if you don't, you're going to have problems. 
Let them roots go deep. Uh, the house I'm living in, the, there's a nice maple tree out front, but I don't know what happened. But this tree, the root system is all toward the top of the ground. It's horrible. I mean, it's just the roots never went deep. I don't know why. Beautiful tree, but all these roots are growing everywhere. I'm having to cover it all up and stuff, and I don't know. Is that tree going to make it? I don't know. See what happens. Growing into my septic field. All places. You can grow anywhere. We're going to grow into the septic, you know. What do you do? Pray the roots go deep, you know. Because, boy, those shallow roots, boy, a good wind going to blow you over. That's the problem with a lot of Christians. They're just too shallow. They're shallow because they don't put the effort in. The reason why a Christian doesn't grow is not because of the Bible. And it's not necessarily because of the preaching or the teaching. It's you. You need the right nourishment. You need the right water. You need the right growth. And if you're not getting it where you ought, then get it. Uh, I've watched Dr. Pohl, and I know in Dr. Pohl you'll talk a lot about some of these animals that there are certain things that Michigan's ground is a deficient in. So you have to give it to that animal. I always thought that's interesting. Well, you know, a lot of times you're in a different place. Maybe you're deficient in something spiritually. Well, just get it somewhere else. Believe it or not, sometimes pastors can't give you everything you need, but that doesn't mean you leave the church. It just means maybe you got to read something a little bit more. Maybe you need to study something. Maybe you need to listen to something and just supplement. <laughs> well, everybody thinks, well, I'm just going to go somewhere else. Well, you can't transplant a 90-foot tree. It'll die. Transplant a little tree. Fact is, is that cedar Lebanon has deep roots, and it's green all the time and it resists the weather and resists the bugs and it resists the pests, and snakes stay away from it. <laughs> That's how we ought to be. That man said, I saw men as trees walking. And if you want to learn anything, just take, take a tree. Pick that Bible up, see what that Bible says about a tree, and just study it, and then start incorporating it in your life. Be like that. And you know what you'll find? You'll find the Lord gave you the answers. You just had to study it out. Let's pray. Lord, Thank you for a good night. We thank you for the word and the truth. And, uh, Lord, we do appreciate uh, being here tonight on a Wednesday night. Lord, sorry I went a little long, but I just pray that these folks got something tonight real practical uh, that would just help them in their growth and help them, Lord, as they go forward. Uh, Lord, all of us need to grow. None of us have, have grown out of our place yet. Uh, we grow our whole life just like that cedar of Lebanon. We're going to keep growing until you take us home. Help us, Lord, to bear fruit. In our old days, Lord, help us to be a Christian that's producing fruit when we're 60, 70, 80, 90, still growing and still serving you. Bless the preacher, Lord, in his absence. Lord, bring him and Miss Curran home safe this weekend. Be with these folks as they travel home tonight. Give them safety in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.